Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. Now here is Pastor Scott Floyer. Okay, so I am very excited about this morning. I am, I, I, yeah, okay. And so those of you that are having trouble following the guy that's ADD, it's going to be a long day. No, um, we're talking about heaven. We're talking about what does the Bible say about heaven. And Because I know some of you, maybe it is your first time you walk in, there's, you're like, there's a casket out front. That's weird. I can understand that. Maybe you've had something going on in the last year, and maybe you lost someone, and you walk in and you go, okay, that bothers me. Well, good. Because we want you to think about heaven. We want you to think about hell. We want you to think about what happens afterwards. Because really, that does make a difference in who we are. That makes us think about a lot about what goes on in this life and what happens in the next life. Because really, to be honest with you, most people have a messed up idea about heaven. Our theology about heaven is really weird. Why? Because we watch TV. We watch cartoons, right? You know, Wile E. Coyote was always in heaven and he had a little white gown and he was playing a harp, you know? I, I don't know if you look at some of the, the pictures that go on about heaven. Some of us maybe think heaven is a bunch of fat babies with, you know, on clouds going like this, you know? It, you don't know. This is just the thing. We've got to find out. What, is, what does the Bible say about heaven? What is the theology behind it? And so, uh, um, I mean, and this is scary. There are even some churches that just do some weird things. My wife shared a story with me this week about when she went to church and went to youth group, okay? And this is awesome. They showed up for youth group, and when they got there, they divided the youth group into kids that were going to heaven and kids that were going to hell. And that, that's encouraging. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I think it might be kind of fun as the adult leader. You'd be like, heaven, hell. You know, you, just, you know, those kind of things. And the kids are like, all certain kids, you're like, hey, I picked you for a reason. Just go there. You know, but you've got this. So my wife ended up in hell. Okay, and so what they did was they had this room that was dark with all these like heating lamps and heaters and you know, and then they had red flashing, like whatever. And to get out of hell, you had to memorize verses. And I, I want you to be honest. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to ask you as, as a husband, pray for me because my wife never made it out of hell. <laughs> pray, she never, she, she looked at me and she goes, I'm serious. It was getting so hot. It messed up my hair, you know, so. Um, we're, we're still praying for her. Uh, but that's the idea. See, that's the thing. Our theology about heaven and hell is just, is just weird. In fact, I was reading uh, some things online, some statistics. It says that 53% of Americans believe that good people will go to heaven. Now, I understand that. People outside of the church, outside of, of a Christian community, you know, if you're good enough, you're, you can go to heaven. But then I went on and I, I found some more statistics that really kind of bugged me. 43% of born-again Christians believe that all faiths teach the same thing. Well, in my mind, if you read the Bible and you follow Jesus, then <laughs> that's wrong. That's, that's not realistic. In fact, that's unbiblical. Okay? Now, this is the one that really bugged me. 57%, over half, of evangelical church members believe that all faiths lead to the same place. Are you kidding me? Okay, if we believe that they all lead to the same place, then what place is that? Because every faith, every religion has a different place that they're going to, right? They, they all have a different heaven. They all have a different idea of what heaven is, all right? Here, I'll give, I'll give you three examples, okay? If you know anything about the Mormon faith, the, the Mormon faith believes that there are levels to heaven. There are three levels to heaven, 
All right? If you have kind of sinned but didn't say you like Jesus, then you still go to heaven because we don't want it bad. We don't want people to go someplace bad. So there's the first, second level, you, you did some nice things. You said, yes, Jesus is a cool dude and he wears cool sandals. And so you, you go to that second level. Those of you that heard that, you'll get it later. Um, third level, third level is where you become a God and you watch over your own planet. Okay? Now, this is the part that I loved. I thought this was really funny. Ladies, if you want to get into that heaven, your husband has to invite you. I told that to one lady this week. She's like, well, if he didn't, then he'd know what hell is like. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? But, but, but it gets even better, ladies. It's wonderful. because And my wife goes, this is the man's religion. That's all I have to say. Because your heaven is you are now going to be eternally pregnant, populating your planet. That's when my wife went, let's see, that's a man's religion because that's hell. <laughs> Eternally pregnant, shut up, right? That's, that, that's, that's the Mormon faith. So if we all believe we're going to the same place, what places is it? What place is it? Right? Hindus believe in reincarnation. They believe that each, as you're better, you move into a different place. And, and by the way, if you say that's good or bad karma, that's unbiblical. Just thought I'd throw that out. And so as you're walking through the Hindu, or the, um, yeah, the Hindu belief, they believe eventually the highest place you can reach is you become a cow. I'm just saying. You're next up on the Happy Meal. So it's just, <laughs> you know. While I was in India, I went to India for 11 days while I was there. It was no joke. Cows walking down the middle of the road. And people are swerving. I'm like, hit that sucker. That's dinner. <laughs> right? No, no. They, you know, I got to think, I, you know, I'm sick. I know. I have issues. And so I'm thinking, so is your weird Uncle Charlie, the, the mosquito? He's got to start over. <laughs> right? I mean, if we believe we all go to the same place, where is that? Muslims believe that their heaven is actually a, a drunken orgy. You know, if you know anything about the Muslim faith, they don't drink at all. They believe that once they get to heaven, they can drink all they want to. So why do it down here on earth? Uh, they believe in, in the Vestal Virgins that they will have sex with for all eternity. Okay, if we believe we're all going to the same place, where is that? Where is that? The Buddhists, I love the Buddhists. I, I, this one just killed me. A Buddhist belief, their heaven, is that you become Nothing. I believe some of them are well on their way, okay? Because that's their idea, is become nothing. I become a conscious, uh, just part of the consciousness of this world. I become just part of nothing. I'm like, wow, that's, that's so encouraging. And then I can't wait till I become nothing. <laughs> but if we all believe we're going to the same place, then where is that? See, that's where our theology has gotten so messed up. That's where our theology in the church has gotten so messed up. See, we've got to realize that the Bible is the authority. No pastor, no preacher, the Bible is. And what the Bible says is what we believe. If you don't believe that, then you need to find another place to go. Because when you get to heaven, there's going to be a whole lot of Bible. Because that, that is the idea. Now, this is what I have walked through and I've listened to a lot of different pastors in the last week thinking about how we talk about this. I believe that Satan has got us believing a lie. Okay, in, in Isaiah chapter 14, Satan actually attacks God. If you haven't read the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 14, it talks about this battle that happens in heaven. Uh, Satan basically looks at God and goes, I can do your job. And he tries to take over. He takes a third of the angels and there's this battle. And God goes, no, you won't. And he kicks them out. And he says, and so ever since that day, Satan has been attacking heaven. 
and he's getting us to believe a lie. Okay, and the first lie that he is getting us to believe is he wants people to believe that most people are going to heaven. Most people, why would he want us to, why is that a good lie for us to believe? Because then we become ineffective. Because if all good people are going to, and most people are going, then you know what? I don't have to tell them about Jesus. I don't have to live my life as a Christ follower. I'll just worry about what's going on right now. See, it's, it's one of those things that we have to realize that that's why we're teaching this series. That's why we're talking about death, heaven, hell, and all that goes with that. Because we've got a jacked up idea about what happens there. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, and you've got it in your program on your insert, and if you don't, we'll, we'll be able to show it to you. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to Christians who have died. So we will not be full of sorrow like people who have no, what's the word there? Hope. Look around the world today. Do you see people with hope or without hope? Because if we don't know where we're going, where's the hope in that? If we're going to become nothing, where's the hope in that? See, we've got to decide what we believe about heaven and hell and Jesus because of what the Bible says. And Jesus was very specific. He knew that this lie was coming. He knew this lie was happening. And so when Jesus was on this earth, he made a very bold statement in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Jesus knew what was happening and he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow and only a few will ever find it. See, if we're saying all people go to heaven, that's a pretty wide road, isn't it? That's a pretty wide road. But if we go back and we say, uh, look at what the Bible says and where the Bible says Jesus is the only hope, that narrows things down. And that's where you hear people say, oh, Christians, they're so narrow-minded. <laughs> yeah, Jesus made us that way. Okay? Because he's the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But we've bought this lie. Oh, all good people, they'll all go to heaven. Okay? The next lie is this. Uh, Satan wants us to believe that heaven can wait. That, that heaven's really not that important. That more the here and now is more important. That, that what I'm doing here is more important. That, that my paycheck is more important. That, that what my neighbors think about me or the people at work think, that's more important than thinking about what is heaven? What is it like? I mean, we think about our lives today. We think more about what pleases us now. Because this is the, this is the realization, is we worry more about today than we do tomorrow. Now, what? And, 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 I, and I'm one that falls through that too. I think about it this way. You know, Ken touched on it a little bit last week where he said, you know, um, uh, he asked a question and he says, who, how many of you want to go to heaven? And people are like, yeah. He goes, how many of you want to go today? Oh, that's kind of a different question. You know, one or two people went, yes, I do. I want to go today. I wasn't one of them. I, 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 I want to spend the rest of my life with my wife. I, I want to see my kids grow old. I want to see, I want to be a grandpa. I don't want to be a grandpa that spoils his grandkids rotten and then sends them back to his own kids and goes, ha, you got them. Because I think that's biblical. I'm just saying, you know. 
But this is the idea. When we talk about heaven, it's hard to talk about it. And most people shy away from it because it's such a theological hotbed. There's a lot of things that go with it. And we, I'll be honest with you, I think most pastors just pansy out. And they don't want to talk about it. Because if we are really honest with ourselves, if we're really, we have no idea what heaven is really going to be like. I, today, I'm going to try to give you the best picture possible, but it's not even going to come close. It's not even going to come close. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says this. It says, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I am going to try to give you the best theological picture of heaven, and it's just not going to be good enough. It's just not going to be good enough. Because I really believe if we understood heaven, if we knew what happened in heaven, and it was in our mind, our brains would just blow. Because we just can't handle it. I think God gives us glimpses of heaven in this day. I mean, I think marriage, a good grunt, is a glimpse children being born a glimpse but it's not even close to what heaven is i want you to think about a time when it was your best day think about your best day everybody's got your best day if you've ever watched the movie city slickers okay which is godly i know you know but if you've ever watched that movie in there he says what was your best day think about what is your best day what happened on that day i mean the feelings the emotions that went that day I want you to realize that that day isn't even close to heaven. I mean, we joke about it. A bad day at golf is better than a good day at work. Okay, our best day on her, here on earth is not even close to one, one day in heaven. See, David knew that. David wrote about it. I love what David says in Psalm 84.10. He says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere a single day just one day in heaven one day in god's presence is better than a thousand elsewhere and by the way when we talk about eternity i want to give you a picture of what eternity is eternity is this if we took the earth turned it into a steel ball put one little ant on that steel ball and waited for that ant to crush that steel ball into dust that's the first day of eternity i really believe in the comment where it says life isn't short you're just dead so long so how we live has to be a reflection of what we believe about when we die. But let's, let's buy the lies. Let's buy the lies. See, what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. If you've got the Bibles on the, on the chairs there, it's page 1230. If you've got your own, uh, I hope you can find it. Okay, but what we're going to do is we're going to camp out in these verses and we're going we're gonna to stay there for a little while because this is where John is giving us a picture of heaven. He, he was on the island of Patmos and he was there in prison and he had this vision where he was going to st stand before God and he, he sees heaven and that's what we're going to look at. And so I want you to really see where, there are three things that we're going to be able to walk away with when it comes to heaven. But again, this is a simple, I'm a simple person. I played football. I got hit a lot in the head. I drool. And so I just want, this is a simple picture of what heaven is because I cannot do it justice. I just can't. So look what it says in Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 4. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I'm going to stop there real quick because I want you to realize that the oceans don't dry up. People are going, oh, see, global warming, I told you. No, that's not what it's talking about. Because in this culture, in these people's day, the sea meant destruction. It meant turmoil. It meant chaos. It meant the way some of you feel this morning. Turned upside down. Maybe... You know, I don't know what's going on in your home, but maybe you came here this morning thinking, this is the only place where I right now can be because my life is just jacked up. I don't know where to turn. See, what John is saying is the turmoil. Look what he says. The turmoil has disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And, 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 or, and the sea was also gone. And he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. And he says, I heard a loud shout from the throne. By the way, this is the last time you will read that statement in the Bible. When when John writes this and he says, and I heard a loud, it's mentioned 20 times throughout the Bible. And this is the last time you hear that. And it says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will remove all their sorrows and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the old world and its evils are gone forever. Gone forever. So what is the very first thing we can realize about this picture when it comes to heaven? Very first thing is God is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, God is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. See, he says they disappeared. Now I want you to realize that when you are a person that gives your life to Jesus Christ and you say, I trust in him and only him, that God says your old life is gone. You have a new one. God is saying the old things are gone. You're going to have a new, there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. It is going to be a place that is so amazing. In fact, the Bible packs that, backs that up several places. Isaiah 65, 17 says, look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth so wonderful that that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. We won't even think about it anymore. It's going to be so incredible that we're going to go, what, what was that? I don't remember. This is awesome. He goes on in 2 Peter. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised a world where everyone is right with God. Everyone is right with God. I mean, the picture I'm giving you is what most conservative theologians believe about what's going to happen in heaven, okay? And, and they even go as far as saying, okay, think about this. Think about what you love to do the most. So I got to think, I thought, you know, heaven, this new heaven, this new earth, they are going to have the most amazing golf courses. And I'm going to play on the most amazing golf courses that have ever been created, and it's going to be half the green fees right? Maybe you love gardening. Think about this. It just, again, it's our simple minds trying to grasp such an amazing concept. If you love gardening, you will be gardening in the Garden of Eden, the most incredible, beautiful places. Think about that. I thought about my wife. I thought about heaven for her and all the malls that would be there and they'd all be on sale. (laughs) And there'd be no limit. I'm buying, right? It's just, I know. She's in here. I'm in trouble. <laughs> but it's one of those areas where it is going to be so amazing, so wonderful. It's just get, I mean, look at what it's, I love the way it says it in Isaiah. No one will even think about the old one anymore. 
And why is that? Because God will remove death, sorrow, and pain. That's the second thing. God will remove death, sorrow, and pain. Think about it. I just, I, for those of you that came this morning and you're hurting, maybe it's physically. Maybe you've got a headache. Maybe you've got a backache. Those are gone forever. See, last week, Ken talked about our bodies groaning for, for a new life. Okay? I can understand that because every time I get up in the morning, I groan. I mean, some of you are going, amen, preach it. You know what I'm saying? When I walk through the hallway, I am Rice Krispies. I am Snap, Crackle, Pop all the way down the hallway. I believe that is because our bodies were created for eternity. And in the Garden of Eden, when sin entered into this world, our bodies started falling apart. I told our kids in the student ministry, I was so encouraging. I said, I just want you to realize the day you were born is the day you start dying. Many of them were like, wow, ooh, encouraging. <laughs> I'm so glad I came this morning, right? But this is yeah, our bodies. We're, when we are in the new heaven, in the newer, when we're standing in heaven, it, there will be no more pain at all, ever. No more cancer. No more death. I know some of you have struggled through that this last year. You lost someone you love. Think about that pain. It's gone. Gone. Maybe you're in here and you're, you're struggling through a relationship. That relationship will be right because that pain is gone. Everything is going to be in a perfect place. No child will die of child abuse anymore. No child will die of starvation anymore. AIDS will not be a, a, a thing that we even think about. And you know what? It's because sin will be gone. I had a conversation with someone last week where we were talking about, well, God's going to wipe away the tear. And you, know, and you know what? This is the thing. I think that the tear that he's talking about is that tear of joy. That all that hurt is gone. It's not because we're going to be thinking about who's not in heaven and who should have been in heaven and I thought so-and-so was going to be here and they're not and you know how did that person get in? That's not the idea about how that's going to work. I think that <laughs> some of you are going, oh. You know? you know? You're probably that person this morning that's thinking, you know, so-and-so should have been here this morning for this message. You know? You people that think that, usually that's who God's trying to reach. And you're just not flipping listen. Just saying but God is going to wipe away that tear. And God's going to be there to comfort you. I mean, think about it. That's the third thing. That's the third thing. God himself will live with us. God himself will live with us. And I know many of you are sitting there, oh, that's a big deal. That's the most shocking statement of the three. That's the most shocking statement of the three. God the Father will be in our, we will be in his presence. And I want you to realize that's not our greatest dream, that's his. Because he will be in a right relationship with his people again. See, because if you read through the Old Testament, Moses tried to, Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. God said, you can't handle it, dude. So I'm going to cover you. You go climb up on this hill. I'm going to put my hand over you. And then I'm going to just let you catch a glimpse, just, just a shot of who I am. As I go by, you know, I'm just the tail end. Because if you see too much, boom, you're going to die. I mean, Moses used to stand in his presence, and when he would come down, he would glow. It would freak the people out. He used to have to wear like a, like a, like a cover over his head. Because people are like, dude, you're glowing. That's weird. 
And like, oh, you know. So, so Moses just being in that place was immersed in God's glory, right? Standing in God's presence. In the, in the old temple, when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, there was one day he was allowed to go in. They would tie a rope around his body because if he were to die, if he were to see God, he would die instantly. And they'd have to pull his body out, which I never understood. Because if you die in God's presence, isn't that where you want to stay? I never said, oh, get him back. Why? He's with God. Just let it be. Although if it happened every month, you know, ooh, starting to smell. You know, so that'd be wrong. But God is going to be there with us. And we can't get it. We can't understand that. Unless you think of the characteristics of God that you know now. God the provider. God the savior. God the lover of your soul. All of those things, when you stand in his presence, are going to overwhelm you. I mean, the, the only way I can think about it is, have you ever been in a relationship where you know things are like funny in between you, that there's something just kind of weird, and maybe you walk into the room and the other person does the, you know, walks back out. You know, if you've never experienced that, then you're probably the one that's got the strained relationship and you just don't know it. And so, you know, you've got this whole thing. But if you think about it, when that relationship is brought right again, think about the emotions that go with that. Again, I'm trying to keep it simple. That's what your whole eternity is now going to become. You are in a right relationship, a perfect relationship with God, God the creator of the heavens and the earth. I mean, think about it. This is the most sh- just shocking statement. Revelations 21.3. I mean, think about it. Set, say, I want you to just look at this. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, the home of God is now among his people. And it says, he will live with them. I want you to say that with me. He will live with them. Oh, come on. Hooked on phonics. You can do better than that. All right. He will live with them. Those of you that don't come to church normally, you're like, I'm not saying it. Say it with me. He will live with them. God is going to be face to face with you. And he's going to love you like you've never been loved before. But, but you know what? Just go ahead and believe the lies. Go ahead and believe that, you know, everybody's good enough. Go ahead and believe that. Because if you do, then you're not going to change the generations of dysfunction in your family. Go ahead and believe it. Oh, you know what? Everybody's good enough. I don't need to change. Go ahead. Continue being the alcoholic that your family has had for the last several generations. Continue being the drug addict that you saw your parents and their parents do. Go ahead. Continue to give your sexuality away because you saw other people do it. Go ahead, believe, I'm good enough. Because if we believe that, if we believe that, then understand this, then we are, we're never gonna be good enough. We're not. We're jacked up people. But being a people that live in the light of God, living in the light that I'm gonna spend someday, eternity with God, should change the way we live our lives. Because if we continue to believe the lie, then we become unaffected, and we're exactly where Satan wants us to be. We're exactly where Satan wants us to be. Ineffective, not caring. And I'll I'll be raw with you, okay? I'll be real. When you live that way, go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, go to hell. Because that's the way you're living. 
And I say that with the utmost care because I don't want anyone to go there. We'll talk about that more next week. But I don't want anyone to go there. I want someone to receive what I received when I was 21 years old and realize that my life doesn't have to suck. That there's a God that loves me so much that he was willing to send his son down onto this earth to die for me. I still don't get that. But it's because he loves me so much. And when I stand in heaven, I'm going to experience that like no other. I'm going to be changed for all eternity. And when I look at God and I look at him and I stand there, I'm going to what? I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing. And I know some of you are going, dude, I can barely do the four songs in the morning. Well, this is the thing. When you get to heaven, we're going to worship. And it's not because, oh man, we're doing Baptist aerobics, stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. It's not that. Because we're standing in the presence of a God that loves us so much that we're not going to be able not to worship him. And we're going to worship him, and we're going to sing, and we're going to praise, and we're going to worship. You're going to turn to the guy next to you and go, this is awesome. Did you see his smoke machine? It rocks, right? And you're going to keep going, and you're going to go, man, God's light show is nothing compared to what Northgate had. Because that, you know, I used to whine and complain about that, but I'm in heaven now, and this is awesome, and I'm worshiping. And you're going to continue to worship, and you're going to turn to the person, and you go, how long have we been doing this? And they're going to go, I don't know, years. Because we're going to be in the presence of God. And if you can't get excited about that, I'll pray for you. Because that's the lie Satan wants you to believe. And so the question that I have for you, this is the question I want you to walk this week through, is does the picture of heaven change the way I live my life today? Does this picture of heaven change the way I live my life today? Because some of you in here have bought into the lie that I'm good enough. Well, you're not. I'm not. No one in this room is. If you think you are, you're you're leading with the lie. See, because this is the thing. God created us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to have a relationship with him. But it's our sins, those things that we've done wrong, that separate us from God. You cannot work your way into heaven. It's just not going to cut it. In fact, the Bible says that even our best is filthy rags to God. See, 2,000 years ago, God, being the loving God, the God that wants to spend all eternity with us, sent his son down to die on the cross for us, paying the price for our sins, and he died and rose again. And everyone who trusts in him and him alone can have eternal life. And that means you will spend forever and ever in heaven in God's presence. See, that's the gospel. That's, That's what we need to believe in. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says. So where, where are you at this morning? If you're a person that says, yeah, I've given my life to Christ. I put my faith and trust in him. But you know what? I just don't want to be inconvenienced. We're sharing my faith. And you know, I don't want to be narrow-minded. Then you are, are dumb. You don't like that? Too bad. Because basically there are people around us dying and going to hell. And we're doing nothing. Because we bought into the lie. We've also bought into the lie that heaven can wait. I don't want to wait for heaven. I'm ready now. This whole week kicked my butt. Because I was that person last week, though, oh, I don't want to wait. No, I don't want to wait. Because I see people around me hurting. And that's over when I stand before God. That's over. So why wouldn't we want to live like there's a heaven? The heaven that God spoke about. I don't want to end up being nothing. I don't want to end up 
being a cow. Come on, seriously. I, I, I want to be standing before God with my wife, my kids, my friends, my family, going, that's, that's my God for, forever. And I want that for you too. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I get kind of, guys, that's your calling as a husband and a father is to lead your family to the throne of God. And you've wussed out. We all have. See, Jesus said we're supposed to love our wives and our children like Christ loved the church. What did he do? He died for it. If you can't willingly say you would do that for your wife and kids, then you are stupid. And they're missing out. See, I believe part of heaven, part of heaven, as I looked at, we're, we're going to know each other. Someone said, do you know people in heaven? Oh, we're gonna, because that's part of the joy of being there together. And I want to honestly say, I see you there. Don't you want to say that for your family? Are you believing? Are you living today with the picture of heaven? And what does that do to your life? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.